I don't want to walk students into something that I can't walk them out of. And that was really, that like really just, that stuck with me. Welcome to Teach, Talk, Listen, Learn, a podcast featuring conversations all about teaching and learning from the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. I'm Bob Dignan, and in every episode, I'll be joined by colleagues, faculty, and instructors from across our campus to talk teaching. Today we have... My name is Nick Flores, and I am currently an assistant professor in the Department of Latino Latina Studies in the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences here at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. And... Hello, I'm Ava Wolf from the Center for Innovation in Teaching and Learning. In this episode, Nick reflects on his teaching statement and how he merged it with the realities of his semester. We reference Nick's statement a bunch, so it's linked in the description if you'd like to read it in full. Hope you enjoy. We're recording um, kind of as the semester, fall semester is winding down. Mm -hmm. And so there's a bit of kind of like reflection almost embedded in this time Mm -hmm. and as well as gearing up for maybe next semester in the spring. And we're we're almost like getting an insight into how your self-reflection in your teaching might might go this winter break. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, interestingly, yesterday as my final in-person class wrapped up, we were devoted to reflections for the semester. So Mm. the entire day is just spent reflecting, thinking alongside one another. Uh, I refer to the classroom as the learning community, and I really make a mindful effort to emphasize that throughout the semester, it's not this hierarchical student-professor relationship, Mm. though this is not to suggest that that dynamic is done away with, but mm. it, it, it's about, for me, generating, producing, co-creating, co-producing knowledge production with mm. the learning community members. And so, you know, we spent the entire day just talking about what we learned mm. and points of conflict and discomfort that we had throughout the semester. Sounds like a much fuller version of What'd you get on the final exam <laughs> as, as, as a way to you, compare what we learned this semester? So I, I mean, strategically, right? I mean, so as someone who is uh, invested in pedagogy from the beginning to the end in these very indexical temporal limits that we have that are called semesters or quarters or terms or whatever they might be, right? It's about giving community learning community members the opportunity to reflect, but then to also have that also be incorporated if they choose to be in their kind of final either reflections uh, for the for the course uh, for their evaluations that they may have for uh, the assignments given the the course itself so for example one of my classes is is actually writing a reflection paper on the research that they conducted Mm -hmm. this semester Um, and I recognize that it's important for a lot of people to hear their peers air out their ideas and their thoughts and the reflections that may be useful for them when they go back after class to then incorporate it or, you know, think or reflect for themselves about, actually, I did learn this because peer Y said that and peer Z said this. And as a matter of fact, I did learn that. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize it until I heard someone else say it. Mm-hmm. So um, 
being strategic in that. I love pulling apart the process like that and really mm. looking at it in uh, almost in a microscopic way. And I don't think we do that too often. As Bob said a moment ago, yeah, it's the final exam and you know what you get and it's all about the grades. Mm -hmm. But you're talking about something very different, that mm -hmm. you're talking about an, a deeper kind mm -hmm. of experience that you are promoting to your students mm -hmm. and that you are getting back from them mm -hmm. by inviting them to be more reflective in their thinking. Do you give them, and do you give all the students an opportunity to do this kind of reflective writing instead of a final exam? I'm just kind of curious about that. Yeah, so I think since I've been in the classroom, in a college classroom, and that has been since 2013 as a TA at first, and then, uh, you know, once finished PhD, was then a visiting assistant instructor at a primarily teaching institution, and then now being here. How long um, How long have you been here, by the way, for context I, for those yeah, listening? So I, I started in August 2020, and that first year was Strange land. all <laughs> virtual. Yes. Um, but to think about your question, Ava, about the kind of the, the deeper, deeper learning, right? It's about the process for me, and I think I'm learning as a younger pedagogue, as someone who's invested in in teaching, that learning is a lifelong process, right? And then it's not these four years of undergrad education or even, you know, the seven, five plus years post undergrad of education that it's, that it's about learning and the process and not the product. And so, you know, I actually do not give final exams in my class because I, I personally hated, despised exams uh, as an undergrad and even in through some of the graduate education and I, I, I recognize the value and I recognize their place within higher education and education in general but I've chosen to go a different route and the route that I've chosen is one that asks learning community members to reflect on their learning process um, alongside the content of the course that I'm teaching. Sure. So um, one of the th the main reason we wanted to invite you in on is you and Ava connected over your uh, teaching statement and building that and some of some of what I think we responded to most having read it is um, how you set this up, how you mm -hmm. set up this learning community, how you differentiate it and, and attempt a day one, mm -hmm. often called syllabus day, mm -hmm. right? What is your syllabus day and how... Uh, you've kind of outlined that in your teaching statement. And now that you've been through at least one semester of in-person and are gearing up, we were kind of hoping mm -hmm. this could kind of tap into your reflection of how did it go mm -hmm. and, and where did it go. But for those listening who haven't read the full statement and, and what we were kind of reading, could you maybe kind of give some of the tenets and some of what, what you consider core to what you were attempting to do like this semester or in the classroom, in the learning community, as you say? Yes, yes, yes. And, and I will start that by saying that I have inherited wonderful, amazing, brilliant, loving, kind, generous mentors, guides, teachers, myself, and the teaching statement, my pedagogy, the learning communities are a reflection of them. Mm. And I, I, I will refuse to claim any of this even as my own, even though the iteration of it is my signature, right? Or sure. is mine. Right, right, right. right. Um, so I can say that the learning community, that, I, that those that I've been a part of, work best when we recognize each other's names, right? Mm. When we 
when when we are in a in a space and have the capacity to learn each other's names, that's that's vitally important for me, especially at larger institutions where oftentimes students may be in a classroom where, depending on the size, right, in enrollment, you are really just a number, or you may just be a group, a larger grouping, right, or maybe even smaller grouping. Um, but but it's really important for me to know people's names, and part of how I learn that is through what I've called like just uh, just name tags, right, and. Uh, it's an opportunity for us to to go by the names that we want to go by. And so um, I'm also gender inclusive in this way because I ask us to write our pronouns on the name tag. And this is a practice that I learned from one of my mentors, Marie Stevens. And, you know, at, at face value, it may be like, oh, I'm just trying to remember your names. But I actually take these name tags like after every class to then give back. Um, but what it does is it allows everyone in the room to also recognize every, everybody else's name. And so in, in conversation during the learning community session, you know, I will ask us to state each other's names or to draw on each other's you know, knowledge production in the classroom. And what happens you know, inevitably through halfway through the semester is you'll get, you know, I really appreciate what, what Peer Y said, and I'm thinking this instead. Or, you know, Peer Z said this, and I don't think I fully agree but this is how I'm taking this right and so what we're doing is we're, we're kind of building that community and then another component of this for me is building and having these kind of ground guides as opposed to ground rules right that are kind of live throughout the semester so we spend the first few weeks collectively talking about what it is that we want to gain from the learning community right and that can be yeah, being together, right? So we write things down like, it's okay to say I don't know, or we can respect silence, or we can, you know, challenge ideas and not individuals. We'll, we will, you know, address each other by each other's names. We will, you know, remain confidential in what is, is spoken here because there will be many opportunities for us to be vulnerable with each other, you know, and okay, well then let's talk about what we want to share. Like it's a challenge by choice environment, right? Like you, you, can, you share what you want to with the learning community and you're not expected or required to share anything more that makes you feel uncomfortable. So, and that's part of the co-created thing that you were talking about earlier. Because yes. I responded to that reading here that in, that in that first day, in that syllabus day, you're asking students to start co-creating by throwing out these guide, mm-hmm. ground guides. And they're able to almost start respecting each other on day one of what is important from each other. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're collecting them all. You're building them mm-hmm. into some constellation of what the community will be mm-hmm. for the whole semester. And yeah. I appreciated that you wrote down, like, I've heard re- repeating themes. What that tells me is there is this underlying desire by the student body or mm-hmm. by a classroom to have these things that they're, they're not one-offs that mm-hmm. probably all students are always wanting this. Yeah. But what you're doing is you're, you're opening the door and you're saying from day one, we're mm-hmm. going to co-create it. So call it out. Yeah. Hmm. That, and then, and then what it becomes is, so it's on the name tags, right? And so they, everyone folds the name tag that I've brought hamburger style as opposed to hot dog style because you get more kind of surface area with the hamburger than you do okay. hot dog. And so a debate for another podcast, yeah, another podcast, yeah the folding of paper. Um, so what, what then happens is the name tag is over the desk and you, everyone can see it. And we're also circling up. So this is vital. This is, this is vital. Um, and this is actually something that revised that I can get into here in a bit this semester being back in person. Um, but to the name tag, Part. It's about, you know, having the name tag over the desk. And so everyone can see each other's names. And usually we're in circles. So then you can see, you know, my Nick, Peer Y, Peer Z, Peer AB. 
and then on the top flap, we write out ground guides, and that's where everyone writes out, you know, this this live guide that you know I'm up on the chalkboard, um, writing them down, you know, asking, and it's a conversation, and you know, people are reluctant at first because they're like, what? Do, why are we doing this? This is weird. Yeah. Um, for four or five weeks into the semester, okay, we're spending the first our check-in for this for this session is we're going to be revisiting the ground guides. Mm. How might we revise, edit, delete, add the ground guides, right? You know, have we been holding ourselves accountable to what we set out at the beginning of the semester? And that also becomes a opportunity to reflect, right? Mm. An opportunity for us to recognize what we have built. Um, and I think that that is what makes pedagogy the learning process so vital and something that I'm only really recognizing now in my ripe old age um, <laughs> that, 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 that the learning community members need benchmarks, right? We need um, f for them, but for me too, right? Like what have we built, right? And an opportunity to answer that question, I think is in the middle of the semester periodically throughout the semester to then revisit the ground guides about, you know, having them recognize, or hopefully they recognize, you know, the hope is that they recognize that they've been building this learning community and they've been doing it themselves and I've merely just been facilitating for them this, this, this environment, this, this container, yeah, this container space. It's not about the rules as mm -hmm. such, it's about how they grow through those, mm -hmm. uh, those guides and become more human and more personal and more real. Mm -hmm. uh, they're authentic selves in the classroom space. I, and I, I think revisiting that helps the students to see, as you mentioned, that how they've grown from benchmark A to benchmark B. And mm -hmm. I, think, I think that's very exciting. I, mm -hmm. I don't think too many people do that. Shoot, I need that in weekly committee meetings. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, so, where so are is, we in this? So this, is the, so this, I think, is like the beauty of at least this part of building a container space of, of a learning community because because communities can be built and communities are built in all kinds of containers, and mm. I and I agree that that this isn't part of what I hope I impart with with my students. That has been imparted to me is that you can build a community, you can build community beyond this space, right? Beyond mm. it being in an institutional format sure. of higher education, right? And that, in fact, I agree. I think that you know, for many of us in the academy, at our various kind of camps right could use a lot more humanity mm -hmm. when we address each other and when we are collaborating with one another and communicating with one another that is 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 missed but again i think that that's probably a whole different topic well it's not a whole different topic for a different podcast because it's it's here and i think that that's important and right. I want, you know that's also what i want um, it's well, such a subtle thing when you said uh, you emphasize and students are calling out, calling each other, using each other's names, mm -hmm. because I thought about like, what's the alternative to that and, and, and pronouns, but the alternative to <laughs> six weeks, 10 weeks into the semester, you've got students that have been together for all that time and they're resorting to, yeah, I like what she said be about this and this and this mm -hmm. when they're answering a question that you mm -hmm. prompted. It's almost like. I'm not involving that person that I relegated to a pronoun, if, if I could kind of put it under that umbrella, because I'm just kind of more directing, I'm talking to you, the instructor, mm -hmm. and they happen to be kind of an input into this process. You're constructing a different 
uh, container mm -hmm. by saying we're circling up and we're using each other's names <laughs> because we're all known to each other here mm -hmm. in this space. We're seeing each other and we're knowing each other. Uh, that It's a subtle difference, but it was unlocking something for me embedded in this teaching statement that goes further than I think a lot of people might realize on the surface. Yeah, I quite agree, Bob. Um, one thing we've been really interested in very well in the last few years in this campus is really having new discussions about inclusivity, diversity, inclusion. What does that mean and in practice? And I think that's what, I mean, everybody's for it. Mm -hmm. It's just how mm -hmm. do you make that part of your day-to-day, -day, your mm -hmm. lived experience in the classroom teaching environment. And I think that's what you're kind of getting at here is that you're building into that learning community, mm -hmm. into that learning space, these very notions of how we include one another, mm -hmm. how we talk to one another in a respectful way. And, mm -hmm. and I think that it's, it's just really very valuable. I, mm -hmm. I think it's valuable for the students, and I think it's really a, a feather in your cap in the teaching mm -hmm. department. Well, you said you think it's valuable. We're at the end of a semester. I know Ava was curious to figure out how did it go <laughs> this semester doing some of these things. Yeah. So, you know, I, the, the name tags stuck. We circled up less than I would have liked hmm. this semester. And I think part of how I imagined the semester going and part of how I imagined as part of my own reflection was... I didn't realize how much of my syllabi construction or imagining the learning community as that would play out this semester was still very much couched in a pre-pandemic world. Oh. And how from from the amount of readings and assignments that were we were we were, you know, conducting to how I imagined the space itself. So because because of the pandemic and the way that we have been unlearning how to socialize with one another in a kind of distance format and then coming back together in a space that ultimately at least in the the, the instruction rooms that i had didn't change mm. but but i wanted to be mindful of of, of everyone's circumstance or situation and not put people too close together in a way that I thought, you know, might be make me people uncomfortable. But then I've come to realize that, you know, that the spaces that I was occupying this semester were small and, you know, they actually didn't always lend themselves well to mm. circling up. Well, that's and, Ava's bag. If you didn't know, and, she's part of the flexible learning spaces and thinking about the, 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 the combination mm -hmm. of walking into a space and using that space and what it's telling you and what mm -hmm. you're telling it. And I mean, that's it. So I'm, I don't know if, if Nick's telling you anything you haven't heard this semester. <laughs> no, but it's interesting to hear uh, the pre-pandemic and the post, well, not post, but the coming back into mm -hmm. person uh, status and how your understanding of that space has sort of changed mm -hmm. and then how the students are also, also experiencing mm. change in that space. <laughs> one of the one of the kind of feedback that I received yesterday, actually in both learning community members kind of containers was, you know, we, we wanted to circle up more. And that was something that they wanted to circle up more. And there were just days where it it, it didn't feel appropriate <laughs> to, to circle up because of the 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 arrangement and 
you know, this is to say the classes were, were, were full as well. So, I mean, it was not a chore, but I didn't want to add on to the valuable time that we had together to, you know, spend the first five minutes arranging. And then, because I did a few, for a few sessions where it mm. was, we were coming back to the, the ground guides or we had, you know, a guest speaker joining us. Um, but I think that, you know, I think moving forward, because of the circumstances, I think that I will just have a circle up um, mm. in the future. And I think that that was something that was, was, was most noticeable for me because when you have a typical classroom arrangement with desks facing the front, I mean, that, that the rows and mm. columns, it, it reproduces that hierarchical, you know, power dynamic that, again, doesn't go away because I want it to go away, but rather the way that I would arrange a space, a learning community space, a container space, would be that it, it, it invites us to see one another as, as each other, not as I'm here with all of the information and knowledge and you are this, you know, empty receptacle who is going to, you know, receive all of the information, right? Because that, that, that's not a co-production. That's not my style. Mm. You, you would probably like and do particularly well in some of the newer iFlex classrooms, which are designed for more face-to-face contact among students in small group work. So we could talk mm. about that another time. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a which, little commercial. On but, yeah, but I will say, because I, I did come to the... It was it opening or was it what there was this, this summer and you were there that's where we met that's where we, we met, met and that building is yeah. lovely mm-hmm. well you um, can apply to teach in there i will the be commercial. i will be doing that yes. <laughs> okay yes <laughs> yeah uh, you know um what i'm listening to uh, and he- hearing you talk about how you had plans and they were very good plans and you have a philosophy and uh, anyone who's reading your philosophy and i hope people will you'll see the deep personal and philosophical connection and how your your pedagogy is really woven into all of that but what i'm kind of curious about is uh when the tire hits the ground Mm -hmm. and things are a little different and they don't turn out quite as you planned you have to kind of roll with it Mm -hmm. so how does a person who's like you who likes things to happen in a certain way and hopes that they mm-hmm. would happen perhaps in a certain way what happens when you have to shift gears a little bit that is a great question and as a former control freak <laughs> i and, and i am totally I think that's in your statement and, and i'm and i am that i really really am like i type a a recovering want, control freak you know and i still you know I, we love we love the organic emergent process of a learning community as it happens in a semester or in the the time frame but you know i go back to my office or i go home and i love my spreadsheets and i love mm. my order and i love clean you know mm. all of the the things that would make you think well but you're so different in this space sure. or maybe you are um so i've had to learn i've had to take some of my own advice which has been given to me by mentors guides you know like um and especially those in the kind of disability justice community and disability studies community who are some of the most important voices that i listen to during the pandemic because so much of the questions or the comments or the ideas and the practices around accessibility that we are you know many people who are not disabled um are kind of living through today especially with regards to zoom the disability studies community has been asking for for years, yep. right? They have been asking for conferences to be accessible via virtual format because there are people who cannot physically be present, yep. right? And I think we we still have so much to learn from these from from the disability studies community. 
and the disability justice community in particular. And one of the most beautiful kind of lessons that I've learned in conversation with and in collaboration with with people in these communities is their ability actually to roll with the punches to recognize that mm-hmm. you can go in there with your plan. I mean, I can tell you how, how, how much of a control freak I was. My first semester as a TA when I was um, at an institution, OSU, comparable mm-hmm. to U of I in terms of kind of student size and classroom, I had every single minute of every single class planned out because I, I was... New teacher syndrome. <laughs> oh, man, I was... <laughs> and 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 was I met with the discomfort of recognizing that oh no this is going to go this way and it's not going to go the way that I want it to? Um, <laughs> it's like the first time think, we heard an uh, <laughs> instructor talk about a, a gorilla run through a classroom and then a oh, banana man. a banana suit run through then a classroom. The train came through, and there was a plane. Yeah, exactly. And you know, there's a volcano that erupts yeah. that was not we didn't even think there were volcanoes on this continent, <laughs> right? Exactly, and they're just erupting. Um, so I, I think I've, I've gotten better at letting the learning community do what it will, mm. but, and also getting better at redirecting and facilitating back to, if it does stray from, you know, that, that either the task at hand or the object under analysis, or, you know, right. we're starting to talk about things that matter but maybe are maybe less relevant to what we're collectively trying to get at like i think that the moment i think so that's and i'm not perfect right and i think it's Mm. all it's all learning i think um i actually go back to an undergrad class the only theater class that i took in undergrad and we had impromptu games and i learned so much from how how to interact with people through impromptu games Mm. my favorite was yes and yep so it, so, so I use that in my, my classroom, like in right. the learning community. Um, you know, sometimes if there's a question or there's a comment and it just either it, it's on point and I don't know how to respond or maybe it's, you know, in left field or insert metaphor here or it being out there, right? Mm. Um, I was, well, yes. And, and I've had over the years a few students who have come up to me uh, after learning community members come up to me after class and say, were you were you doing yes and that class? Because <laughs> I've taken yeah. that improv and it's, you got me. Yeah, yes. right, um, right. So it sounds like there's a tension, um, a necessary tension between a laissez-faire, uh, if I could just throw it under that term, of seeing where the community is going mm-hmm. versus your role. I mean, kind of like owning your role uh, in the in that space, and you get maybe students that are feeling like. This is great that I, we have mm-hmm. all this freedom to, or, or um, maybe not freedom, space to fill. Mm-hmm. That the container is is what we want it to be. Uh, but then others feeling like I don't know where we're going, mm-hmm. wh- what's going on, mm-hmm. and you're you're opting to be on the tightrope between these two rather than say I'm going to come down hard on one or the other. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and you know I think to add to the equation, the learning community member, the learning community members, and they, I think this is actually the silent majority in in many of my classes before they've gone all the way through is the reluctance to want to engage in this way Interesting. because it feels too much like summer camp or it feels oh, like cool. something it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like learning right mm. and I think that that is so in my when I'm imagining and kind of planning 
I have that learning community member in mind and not to, you know, tailor to them, but to always have them in mind because I think that, because again, I think that there are expectations and many of us have them when we come to college about what a classroom is supposed to look like, what a professor is supposed to look like, what is, what, what content delivery is supposed to look like, right? Like, uh, all of these assumptions that then I think for many people who come into my classroom or who come into the learning community are shocked to find that it, it doesn't look this way or I, I expected the quiz or I expected the, just right. tell me what to do. And a lot of their other classes right. are not are, like that. At all, right? Um, <laughs> and so it, it, it takes a... It, it takes a lot of effort on the part of everyone, but they're the ground guides too, right? Like being present is, is a big one that, you know, sometimes is not always cited by learning community members who are learning in this way for the first time. But that's something that I always come back to is like, how can we be present with each other and, you know, not allow the things that will be at the door when we leave to be there? Yeah. Right. Like, because those are not going to go away. And as an instructor, you're navigating that as Mm -hmm. well. You know, I started with saying that the fingerprints of all the mentors, guides, friends, generous people in my life, they've been models Mm -hmm. for me. And I think that if after all is said and done, I can be a model for someone Mm -hmm. to be recognized in that way. And it's weird to say that. I don't think I've ever said vocalized this. Mm -hmm. Right. But really what I want to be is a model Mm -hmm. for people who are in the learning community to recognize that we don't have to yell at each other. Hmm. We can address each other as human. We can talk about really, really difficult, uncomfortable, devastating topics and still learn, but also, and also hmm. learn how to, to be critical engagers in those conversations and not take them at face value hmm. or be or take them personal or take them personally hmm. and if you do which is totally fine too right like yes some because oftentimes and i this is part of the pedagogy too is that many of your inroads into the conversation are often personal right like hmm. you you know so much of how many people people learning community members yesterday were talking about well i personally didn't know a lot about this because it doesn't affect me, but I've learned so much now because of the conversations right. and my peers, right? So I recognize and I value the personal in the pedagogical process. I think what I hope to model too is that it is, as, now that we are a part of the conversation so directly, like it's no longer just about us. It's no longer about the individual. This is about the relationship to the object. It's about the relationship to the structure. It's about the relationship to the institution, the system, right, that, mm. that, that all of us are embedded in, right? So mm. I think it's about opening up the worlds that have already existed to people and having them have maybe just a little bit more clarity or a little bit more cogency around mm. their place, their embeddedness. Well, thank you so, so much for coming down and doing this. Really thank you appreciate both, it. Bob, Ava, this is wonderful. Yeah, I appreciate Thank you for the invitation. And that's the other thing is like the invitation is so important. Mm. I mean, to have an invitation and that, that, that's also part of the, the pedagogy. It's, these are, this is an invitation to learn and to grow. And so there's a lot of power in the invitation. So I appreciate it. Thank you both. And thanks for listening. Please rate and review our podcast and or reach out. Our email is ttll at illinois.edu. 
And we'd love to hear reactions, continue the conversation, and examples from your teaching to feature on the podcast. Thanks again to Nick Flores from the Department of Latino-Latina Studies. This podcast was produced by the Center for Innovation in Teaching and Learning at the University of Illinois. Episodes can be found on our website, citl.illinois.edu, and on major podcast platforms. We hope you'll find us there and join the conversation.